Yeah, start speaking. That's the most important thing. So whether it be at your children's school, for a charity, you know, at a sporting event where people are volunteering, volunteer for a TEDx and get on the team so you can start learning about what goes into speaking, right? You need to immerse yourself in it. A big part of confidence comes from competence and that's through doing, right? So you want to just start speaking. If you have, you're on the PTA, ask if one night you can get up and speak and address the, the team. Just start putting yourself in a position where you're speaking and very quickly you'll be able to see, okay, I'm getting great feedback on this or I'm not getting feedback. This isn't landing or this isn't resonating, but you're only going to find that out by doing it. And a lot of people think that you cannot have prior experience and show up as a speaker. I, I just have never seen that happen for someone. You have to go through these paces of actually doing it and then getting footage of yourself doing it and then getting reviews and testimonials to your work and feedback on your work, right? Then positioning yourself as a speaker. Like these are all steps along the way that they take. Right, everyone. Welcome. I am really excited about uh, today and the guests I have right in front of me virtually, Heather Monahan. And I know her from online, but I've, I've, I'm, you know, following her book. I read her book, Confidence Creator. That's how I come to know about her. And now, you know, I was uh, involved in her uh, latest book launch, Overcome Your Villain. And I'm so excited about, uh, you know, reading the first book, listening to the second book, and so much insight she has. But I'm really excited about what she stands for, her journey. She, she has been a C-suite executive. She has been TEDx stalker. She has been coach. She has been uh, internationally renowned speaker. And she is the best known person for creating confidence. So if you're looking to create confidence, there is nobody other than Heather that I can bring in to this show and help you uh, create the confidence. So I'm super excited. And I know, like everything Heather does, she's just gonna, you know, over deliver always. And that's what I learned from her. So welcome, Heather. Uh, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So We'll get right because, uh, into the, her book because uh, she has to go immediately after this into another uh, meeting. So uh, overcome your uh, villains. Uh, you know, <clears throat> could you share a backstory to this book, how it happened so people know, you know, your journey a little bit about and how this book came into existence? Yeah, in uh, Q4 2017, I was fired from my chief revenue officer position and what I did was I immediately wrote and self-published Confidence Creator, which launched in 2018. And immediately I started getting direct messages from my readers saying, okay, but what happened next? Okay, but what happened after you got fired? How did you land the TEDx? How did you turn things around? How did you go from fired to finding success in a new arena? And so I would store all the questions that people would send me because data doesn't lie. And that really became the outline for my new book. It's really how to bounce back from a, a massive hit like termination. Mm. Yeah. And, and, you know, in, in the times where getting fired is seen as such a huge negative thing and it has a trauma and people really take upon them. And, and you explain in uh, quite a detail in your book about your journey of getting fired and then finding into as you know, finding a new excitement to get on and do something new with your life. Could you share that, you know, a little bit of that journey? I don't want you to get into details because I want people to get into the book for the detailed story, but just to share how it happened for you. Yeah. yeah. The first thing I did, as I mentioned, was I wrote and self-published Confidence Creator, and then I Googled, how do you sell books? And it said, speak. And I've been speaking for over 20 years in corporate America, but I didn't know that it was a business. And so I started cold calling companies to ask, hey, I'd love for you to bring me in to speak about innovation and confidence in the workplace. All I need you to do is buy my books and I'll come in. And so people would start buying the books and I'd go in and speak. And then one day a company said, well, what's your speaker fee? And I did not know what a range would be for a speaker fee. So I Googled speaker fees and I saw Gary Vaynerchuk was making back then in 2018, 
350000 for a 60-minute keynote. He's making a lot more than that now. But at that time, I realized, wait a minute, this is a very lucrative business, and it's something that I have been doing for years successfully. I'm going to lean into this. So I started leaning into this idea of how do you scale a speaker business? And I discovered speaker bureaus and speaker agents. And so I started pitching myself to all these different speaker bureaus, to all these different agents. I ended up landing Harry Walker speaker agency and then GDA speakers and then Big Speak and then APB and now HarperCollins um, speaker bureau. So I ended up landing all these speaker bureaus. I landed my first TEDx talk. And my speaking business really started exploding when I interviewed Sarah Blakely live on stage in Q4 2019. And then the pandemic hit and I needed to reinvent myself as a virtual speaker. And then I was named top 40 keynote speaker of the year for 2020. And then slowly in 2021, live events started coming back and I've been taking bigger stages again. And then I was just named top 50 keynote speaker for 2022. Amazing. Uh, I was just as mentioned before, uh, I was just listening to the audiobook and uh, it's just full of so many inspirational stories and how you turned, you know, you stumbled upon so many roadblocks, but every time you found the courage within yourself to overcome those things and uh, a, a very inspiring on creating confidence and overcoming villains like you, you have this framework you that that you call a three-step framework, right? Would you be able uh, to share uh, some of those steps? Yeah. So the book "Overcome Your Villains" is really a powerful three-step process to overcome any adversity in business or life, and that process is around beliefs action and knowledge. And the book is broken into three different sections on that three-step process. Mm -hmm. So I recommend people to go to whichever part of the book is, you know, they need the most. And for me, knowledge would be, you know, the part where I would have gone if I had been just a reader and not the author. And so you can advance to that section of the book, whatever, you know, that need might be for you. And the belief section is all around questioning and dismantling the beliefs that you hold distilling them down to the most simplistic fact that there is. Step two is to take action immediately. And step three is to really be intentional about the knowledge that you're accessing to support yourself during that transition time. Mm. And, and um, you know, these are the key areas like beliefs, right? And know, knowing that I know you of, about you, you are a lot more action oriented. Like I've always seen your go, go, go mode. And, you know, a lot of people are not, which is why you created these different uh, uh, three-step process or three different ways to approach the book. Uh, a lot of people, uh, I find, are stuck in the first one, which is beliefs, right? Their self-beliefs, all the people that are uh, around themselves um, that limit them, uh, for example, um, the story about when you were about to launch your first book, your sister was concerned about, you know, it becoming a legal issue and you had to overcome it. Um, uh, could you share that? Like how, what helped you overcome that belief? And, you know, even though those people were stopping you that in, in your uh, best interest, they were trying to say, okay, this is legally not right, but you had to overcome what was being told to you so that you could explore a new you in a way. Yeah, the key takeaway from that chapter is all around not asking people for direction if they haven't been where you're going. And my sister had never written a book, but my editor had written 19 books. So the right move was to access that information from my editor who told me anyone could sue anyone for anything, right? You know, let's move forward with launching the book. And that was the catalyst to help push me forward. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And, and I see that a lot of times people get stuck, uh, you know, asking the wrong people, like when, they, especially when they're trying to make a change, um, they ask the people who are at their own levels um, in the similar jobs. And a lot of time, the feedback is not constructive in the sense that they are the feedbacks of those people's limiting beliefs too. So you make a very uh, uh, valuable point there. Um, and you share with the stories that uh, exemplify that. Um, 
<clears throat> I, I was also, you know, uh, uh, inspired by the story of the NBA player, how um, this person reached out to you and that person, even though it seems like would have a, such a high confidence playing in that team requires that much confidence to get in. And, but in the deep down had the same struggles. And then at the point when the person reached out, you hit uh, what you call as imposter syndrome immediately because uh, you felt like there wasn't, you know, you felt like maybe you wouldn't be able to help him and, he would discover that there was nothing to you. Um, and you share how you go past uh, that. Uh, so what would you say to somebody who is struggling with the imposter syndrome or trying to make a change, but feel like I, I, I don't know anything? Yeah. yeah, I mean, the only way that you can ever be an imposter is if you deliberately show up as someone other than yourself. And once I accepted that realization, it really is very empowering and takes the pressure off of you to just show up as that real version of you. There's another thing that I, uh, you know, you mentioned in your book is like a lot of times uh, we find uh, when we compare ourselves to some people and we hold them higher than ourselves, it doesn't help us, right? Um, and And you, that was one of the things you related to imposter syndrome. That's, and I think that's a key point. I've never heard somebody late in the way you laid in the book uh, about how you should see yourself, especially when you're dealing with people who are maybe, you know, hundred steps ahead of you in a journey. Yeah, I talk about the importance of taking others off a pedestal so that we can all be treated as equal. And we're, you know, especially living in this day and age that we're in in 2021, it's so important that everyone has equality, no matter, you know, what your background is, what your job is, how you look. We all want to treat one another equally. The only way we can do that is if we take people off of those pedestals. Yeah. And, and, and you know, if somebody, I mean, it's, in in a way, when you say that, you understand, like, it's easy to understand, but are there any practical ways to bring people off the pedestal so that you are in a equity or in equal space as them? Well, I mean, for me, I'm a very visual person. It depends on the individual, right? So it's about knowing yourself and knowing what works for you. For me, visually seeing someone come off of a pedestal really helps me. For other people, it might be seeing themselves through the lens, how other people see them, you know, and reading that feedback that they've gotten from other people to understand that they are, you know, valuable, that they are seen as worthy, and that can help them understand they're on a level playing field as well. Mm-hmm. Um, pandemic, uh, you know, coming to the pandemic, it's, uh, it's interesting that we had a little bit of way where the pandemic uh, show that it was slowing down and now we are hitting with this another variant and things are not looking great and you've you've created a business coaching business out of pandemic and then you know ramped up your speaking again with the uh, pandemic slowing down and now we are back in pandemic what is one thing you can tell um, you know from your own journey share with somebody who is um, new or uh, trying to do new and you know what would you tell about pandemic and how to approach pandemic in a way that can help them in their journey well i have a chapter a chapter in the book around the octopus revenue strategy and that's really relevant when you know specifically to the pandemic that you can't give up you know i personally can't give up the virtual side of my speaking business because of this situation that we're living in Yes, in a perfect world, I'd love it if every event was back live, you know, <laughs> but we can't become dependent upon the way that things used to be because the one thing that we've seen over the last two years is that, you know, whether it be changing for the better or the worse or whatever it is, it keeps changing. So we've got to keep all those different opportunities live and viable because it's much easier to pivot and change if you keep those seeds of those businesses up and running. Yeah.
Um, and I, I recommend anybody who is trying to make a change or you're stuck in a job that you don't like and you want to make a change in your uh, life, career, a relationship, I think you need to uh, go buy this book because we really have so many villains and so many of them are within us. We don't even know them. And the more you read the book, the more you will learn uh, you know, how to overcome. The first thing is you want to know who those villains are. And this book is perfect to find that out. So go on, buy that book. Uh, and that will make sense. Um, uh, you bring in an interesting point. Uh, uh, also another interesting point or a different approach. While there's so many talks about people talking about turn negative into positive, which is a hard thing. You know that, that it's a, such a, um, struggle or, or you, it takes so much effort to bring negative to positive. And then you talk about bringing neutral, which was something new for me, at least uh, that, you know, and it seemed relatively easier than positive, right? Because it's a middle. Mm -hmm. um, would you talk about that? Yeah. I, yeah. I learned, I had Trevor Mwad on my show in 2020 and he taught me he around this concept of I've always shifted from negative to positive and for me that hasn't been that hard but to your point a lot of people find it near impossible to make that shift so he's really built his business and his career around teaching people to shift to neutral and and not have the goal of trying to go to positive so again it goes back to knowing yourself and knowing what works for you but it's a great solution to be able to have that step in between for the days when making that leap to positive just seems too, too far out of your control. Mm. Um, so, coming to your TED, TEDx talk and I, you know, this whole story that you lay out, you know, quite in detail about how you uh, got the TEDx talk and all the effort you put in to uh, give your talk. And it's amazing that it, it was then, uh, taken to the that main side and then kind of you know translated to six different languages from your experience uh you know what has been the most uh, or the key takeaway for yourself from that doing the TEDx talk um in front of the live audience which you have but uh you know then it getting translated to six different languages and people getting impacted in those six different languages yeah, you know the I think the I think the biggest takeaway for me from that chapter is how I landed the TEDx talk because I had been applying to TEDx talks over a hundred times and I kept getting rejected. And it took somebody sitting down with me who had insight on the inside to say, You need to put yourself in our shoes. We are volunteering. Mm. We need this event sold out. Instead of promoting yourself to us as a great speaker. Why don't you promote yourself to us as someone who will get the venue sold out, who will stand behind and, and support the event, who will come and volunteer and assist us? That approach will be much more successful. And she was right. When I took that approach on, that's when I actually landed my, my TEDx. And, and this is so true, uh, you know, um, in everything, in any sale, any business, when you get into the shoes of your audience, your customer, um, even when you're, t uh, you know, I guess, um, dealing with your children, when, in, uh, you know, sometimes I find it harder to uh, understand, like, why is my son not understanding this simple thing? Uh, it's only when I'm able to uh, take a step back and get into his shoes, the way he is approaching or looking at it, I'm able to communicate so, so I thought that was a uh, the story around how you landed TEDx and how you shifted your approach of then getting accepted into TEDx talk was a, it's an incredible again an incredible chapter in itself, um, and and that too uh, for the Me Too movement, right? It was a different twist on that. Um, there's also a big reveal in the book, which I'm not going to talk about here, but I think um, from your personal life, and I think uh, that would be helpful for so many people if, if 
they've gone through something miserable in their life. I think Heather has been generous enough uh, to open up and share a, you know, a dark period in her life in this book. And uh, just to give people a chance to know that we all go through uh, things. We have different uh, stories. Uh, we have different dark times, but, you know, we all go through our share of those dark times. Um, yeah, the, the chapter is really around shame and the importance of shining a light on shame. And it's something that I only reveal in the book, but it is, it's, it's a really powerful chapter. I've received a lot of feedback from many people who have been struggling with shame. So if so, anyone listening is struggling with shame, this book is definitely one that you want to dive into so you can start shining a light on your shame and put it to work for you. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting. Um, uh, just before um, uh, I would talk uh, earlier today, I was, and this is before I uh, heard the chapter, uh, I was... Um, uh, thinking about, you know, how we human, like we judge ourselves so much uh, about every action. Um, and when you compare to every other species like animals, I doubt they shame themselves. If they miss their target, it's not like they're going to say, oh, you're so bad. You are not good at hunting. We don't, they don't shame themselves or neither they shame others, but as humans, because we have the voices and the mental capability, um, shame takes such a huge toll on us so yes um you know that uh, chapter is anybody who has issues and i doubt anybody who doesn't have some level of shame because this is the society we grew up in um it's a big big um chapter and um, it will help people move from there um one uh, one thing uh, I guess when when I came to know about you, Heather, it was LinkedIn, right? Uh, and on LinkedIn, um, it was my early days. I was making a pivot from my IT career into finding what I could do, and um, and your profile came uh, through, and uh, your post came, even not even profile. At that time, I didn't even know who was Heather, who was confidence creator. But one thing I consistently saw as I engaged with your post was um, that about, you know, value, that the amount of value were, you were going in your post, the amount of insights you were sharing. And then, uh, you know, that led me to get into the uh, buying your book, Confidence Creator. And this was before we even spoke. But there are so many times, and from my own experience, like when I started, I didn't know how to get on LinkedIn, and I started just posting without realizing how I should be communicating. And obviously, I learned by doing it wrong the first time. Uh, but you being the person who has been massively successful on LinkedIn, um, engaging with people, reaching out to people, what would you share with somebody who's starting fresh on LinkedIn and or any social platform to, uh, you know, show up the way they should show up on social platforms so they get uh, engagement from the people? Well, I'll speak to LinkedIn specifically because each one of the platforms is very different in regards to what works. But on LinkedIn specifically, consistency is critical. I've been posting consistently since 2016. And I think that's something that people forget about, right? That's five years. Yes of content, you know, every day, at least every Monday through Friday showing up consistently. So that's number one, the most important thing is to be consistent. Number two, the other key is to start, right? It doesn't matter if, like you mentioned, you don't have to start perfectly, you can learn over time. Data doesn't lie, analyze the data, you know, continue to look at which posts are resonating, which ones are getting the most comments, which ones are getting the most likes, and keep track of, the, of those things. I use, I use the Shield product. Mm. You can use any product to analyze your data, but and I'm not saying it has to be Shield, but you definitely want to have some type of a tool to help give you the insight so that you can analyze that data, and then you can continue to test and try to innovate and grow from there. Never um, create a post out of a link. That is a definite way to not get any reach on LinkedIn always put your links in the comments below and steer people towards it. You know, I usually put an arrow or a finger point down, 
hit the link in the comments below, but never make that link the post because uh, LinkedIn does not respond well to that. Sharing posts does not work well either. If you like somebody's content and you want to share something of it, I would copy and paste it and make it my own post and then mention them in the copy portion of your post and you could drive them to that link you know, to share it, but you don't want to actually share the post. Mm -hmm. And then anything that you want people to do, if you want people to like your post or you want people to share your post, ask them to do that at the bottom of the post. Say, hey, if you like what I'm saying, please uh, hit the share button. Or uh, if, if this is resonating with you, click that link, uh, that like button below and leave me a comment. Ask people to do what it is that you want them to do. Do not tag tons of people in your <laughs> post. That does not work well either, yeah. right? So what happens is LinkedIn responds when if you tag somebody and they do like it and comment, it responds well to that. But if you're just, I see all the time, I get tagged in tons of posts on LinkedIn. I don't know who these people are. I'm not going to go to the post, right? That's going to end up hurting them. If you're tagging people that aren't going to come back and support the post, LinkedIn does not respond well to that either. You always want to, you know, for a long time, video was doing really, really well on LinkedIn. And then it stopped and just static image posts were doing well. Then polls were doing really well. My point to that is there's always an evolution around what the algorithm is responding to. So you need to test and try, test and try. And then you also want to look at the data and you want to look at other feeds, what's working on, you know, analyzing some a competitor's feed. You want to see what's working for them. So then you can become smarter from learning from their results and test and try that on your own feed. Yeah. And, and I learned it, um, like I mentioned, I learned it just by trying and, but the consistency, uh, is the big thing. I remember a uh, couple months back, one of the posts, uh, it was just a core. I didn't write anything. I just said, I, I found a core online and I just posted that. I went to eat my lunch, come back 20,000 views. Um, and over the course of the day, it hit over 125,000 views and 125 shares. And if I had to predict that would be the last thing I would have predicted that would go viral, like in a way, uh, at least for me. The only difference I know that was there was a month prior, I decided that instead of doing one post a day, I was going to do three posts a day. And so within a month, something just, you know, is self-head. And so uh, I, you know, um, completely agree I, with my own experience that consistency is such a huge key and, uh, supporting and initially people it's interesting uh, today only I saw even Carmichael made a post about his last 16 years on him posting videos on YouTube and the first few years first five years were very um, uh, little number of subscribers like 100 200 500 but this the once he crossed 1 million views like it just started to catapult and explode uh, and, and I think that's what happens but a lot of people just quit before they get there a lot of people think it's gonna happen in first year or two years or three years it may happen but it usually takes longer than uh two three years uh on average for people to get there so uh, about the content right a lot of people um have different ways or uh, approaching it and one thing everybody says um, is that be authentic, stay authentic. And it, for me, it was a hard way to learn what authentic means, right? Um, uh, I thought authentic means is just if I'm being true to what I wrote, right? But it also means having some value to that authenticity, right? Like it's not just being you, you're sharing the message, but you're bringing value with the message. Uh, would you share your, from your experience, like what being authentic means on social? Yeah, there's so many different ways to be different ways to be authentic, right? So my expertise is in sales and sales leadership. So me being authentic is can be posting about the top five ways to close a deal for Q4 2021, right? That is authentic. That that's my expertise. That's what I've been doing my entire career. So that's one way to is to really lean into your expertise and teach something that you're really good at, you know, to the audience that's going to engage them. And that's special and unique about you. Another way is to include something from your personal life. Maybe you're a parent 
and you want to share some of the challenging moments around parenting and some of the great tips that you've received from people in your life that have helped you, right? That's an, a way to show up as authentic. Another way would be to lean into vulnerability, right? So what are some of those moments that have been challenging in your career? Maybe it's losing a big piece of business and sharing the lesson that you learned from that. That's a way to show up and, and be authentic. It's really just about being you instead of trying to be like somebody else. Yeah. You hit a uh, uh, interesting thing. Um, w- when I started or before I started uh, posting online, I, I didn't want to show the side of losing. And that's, you know, that's what we are taught. Like when you lose something, you do, you kind of hide because you have some kind of shame associated. It. It's not something you openly share, especially in the social, right? But in contrast, I see the opposite. The more you become vulnerable, the more you show the hard times you live through um, with the people and, you know, you share your journey uh, truly, whether it's, you know, up or down, you share both up and down, it, it resonates and it brings the people you want. Uh, has that been your experience? <laughs> yeah, I definitely think so. When I was a chief revenue officer in media, I did not share, you know, in 2016, when I was initially showing up, making the decision to show up every day online, I was not sharing vulnerable moments. And I might have had 4,000 followers back then, right? But I was showing up consistently every day. I was teaching the things that I was an expert in and I was sharing value. But once I got fired, that was the day I shared that I'd been fired. And that post immediately went viral and had millions and millions of views. And that caught my attention to, oh, this is something that I never really thought about doing. I, I shared that post that I got fired because I wanted help. And I wanted to see if there was anyone out there in my community that I had helped previously that might be able to help me now. So I had a very specific goal in mind when I shared the post. It was not about testing, you know, being vulnerable online. Um, but what I learned from putting that post up is, yeah, you don't want to overplay it, right? So I, I, I think there's a good balance, yeah. right? You, you need to show up and share your expertise and teach people things. You need to um, be unique and different. And some of that can be just you messaging around what's happening in the news and your perspective on it. Some of it can be you selling something, right? The Gary Vaynerchuk model, jab, jab, right hook, right? So create content, teach, and then sell, right? So there's a lot of different ways to do it. You don't want to just show up every day. You know, I see some people that do this and I don't think it works very well. Just sharing, had an awful day today. You know, today is another bad day. Here's another bad thing that happened, right? There's too much negativity then. So I I believe there's a balance that you need to strike and and find for yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I I resonate with that. And I've seen, you know, quite a few people that just, it, and you know they may be going through a lot of rough times, but just sharing the rough times and not sharing what actions you're taking with those on those rough times is not is not going to help them because you're not you know uh, there's nothing neutralizing or positive to that dark side. Uh, so and I see with that your post is like it always has. So it'll, if there is a um, uh, dark side or a dark moment or a, a hard time, you always show the way, okay, this is what happened and this is what I did to get out of it and you can do it too. So it's always inspiring that, okay, there are there is a way out. One thing I love... Or you can also use those moments, you can use those moments as a way to ask for help yeah. too. It, you know, that's something that I do, you know, when I need help is I, I might give the backstory of what the challenge is and then say, hey, I, I actually haven't found a solution to this yet. If, if you have a solution or if you know someone you could contact, you know, connect me to, uh, I'd, I'd appreciate your help. And it's really important to know people online generally want to support and help other people. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I will, I mean, from my own experience, I, I I've never shared this with you, uh, but, uh, uh, but I, you know, a, a lot of times people can make assumptions about people in their private Minds like for uh, when I started messaging you about your book and all that, um, there was time you didn't respond, and and I thought, okay, how can and not knowing you and you know knowing that just to be clear that at that time you didn't know me, I didn't know me, I was just a stranger messaging you, and and I know that you have 
10,000 other people who are messaging. There's, there's only so many DMs you could go, go through. Um, and, um, and I, I think I, I remember I sent a message and I, I didn't get a response. Uh, uh, and then I felt like, okay, if she's all about helping, why is she not helping me? Whereas I didn't even ask any question to help. Let me just so be clear, but I was just making those assumptions on my own without knowing what was happening in your uh, side of the world. And the reason I share is not uh, just to, uh, you know, uh, say that people don't help. It's just to say that you you can make assumptions, but you don't know what the other side of person is. But when uh, things came around and when you find time, you DM me back and, uh, you know, and uh, we got to know each other a little bit better. And I've seen that with, a lot of people, but also in that space, we need to know the people who are maybe hundred steps ahead of us. Like if I would message Gary V today, I'm sure not going to get any response for ages. And you share your story around that, how you got around it. So um, asking for help is, uh, you know, a great way to get ahead and uh, find what you want to do from the people who have been there. But when they don't respond, just don't take upon yourself, uh, that, you know, something wrong with your message or um, assume that, you know, they think you're not, uh, don't assume that they think you're not important. It's just so many uh, people, you know, you can work with or answer, especially as you grow your social presence in, you know, uh, so many platforms and so many people trying to reach out for help. So I'm. Yeah, I actually did a podcast episode about that this week around my email server started protecting me from what they thought was spam email. And they took 1200 of my emails and did not give me access to them in an effort to protect me. However, 1200 emails, they were all good emails of people that I should have received mm. it. I never received the emails. And so it's important to know that, and this is one of the things that sales taught me, never take it personal. It's never about you yeah. and you don't know what the rest of the story is. So those 1200 people that were reaching out to me thought I was ignoring their emails. And a lot of them, it was about business, hiring me for speaking engagements and I wasn't responding. And so just know that, hey, that person might be on an airplane. That's why they're not getting back to me. That person might have a death in the family. That person might have some situation going on that I have no idea what that looks like. For me, it was my software yeah. wasn't letting me access my email, right? So it just, it's important to know that we will never know what's really going on in somebody else's life. And all we can do is show up as the best version of ourselves and try to add value. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, and that's what I learned. And I think uh, one of the things uh, I have learned hard way was when um, um, when I was trying to learn on social, especially LinkedIn, how to interact with people, making new connections. Uh, I thought just making new connection and adding to them to my list and maybe sending one or two DMs was it. That was it. And they would interact with my content because I was creating a valuable content. But it's so much more than just that, right? Uh, you have to add value to the person you're connecting with personally, right? You need, you cannot expect that they would interact with your content. You have to go and interact with their content first. And and that was a lesson I learned. Like that was, I did not understand what adding value meant uh, because uh, there's no, I, I don't know if there are, uh, any courses or any content that shows you step by step. But that was one of the things I learned just by doing, making mistakes. And and some you could learn from people who are there, but some you just learn by mistakes. Um, well, I, I know Shay Robottom has a course on LinkedIn specifically and creating content and how to grow content on LinkedIn. So she's definitely a good one to check out okay, for that. I will put that in the show notes. Um Coming uh, to your, uh, you know, pivoting from your, um, you know, first writing a book, then pivoting, uh, then doing your pu uh, public speaking, because that's what you had done for so many years and experience, and then creating a new business amidst pandemic when everything was shutting down, which was coaching um, and helping people. Uh, 
you know, yes, there is a uh, intrinsic financial value. You need to run your, um, you know, household and all that. But when you coach people, um, would what what do you get other than the money? Like when you are coaching and sharing um, your experience and helping people get to their next. I'm sure there is so much more than money that money cannot even buy that you get. Um, yeah, the the content that I create, my books, my podcasts, my speeches, or a, a coaching session, it's all the same, right? It's all the same teachings. It's just happening in a different interface. So I see it all as the same. Um, I'm paid differently, you know, for each one of them. However, it really is, it's the same content, just purpose differently uh, in conversation versus across a microphone versus, you know, in a podcast. So for me, it's work that not only delivers monetary uh, value, but I get amazing messages from people and reviews. I love reading the reviews of my podcast or the reviews of my book or, you know, um, the testimonials from my keynotes to hear how it impact or change people's lives or how it made, you know, their life better. That's definitely, um, that has nothing to do with money. It just has to do with, you know, doing good in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And, and when somebody, uh, does a negative, because we all would have those villains, right? Somebody would not take the message the way you want it to be heard. Um, how do you deal with that when a negative remark, negative DM, negative, uh, you know, comment on Amazon? Or, and like you mentioned in your book, negative review on the good review site that dropped. How do you personally t- uh, take that? Yeah, I have a chapter in Confidence Creator about haters. And then I have a chapter in Overcome Your Villains about a very specific hater and, and how I handled it. And I'll tell you, just last week, I was do last week, I was doing a live event on LinkedIn. Uh, and there were, were hundreds of people on the event, the host of the event was managing the Q&A. And so anytime you do something like that, you're opening yourself up to anyone can show up for these mm-hmm. events. And we were doing the event to promote my new book, Overcome Your Villains. And so we were talking around the concepts of the book and different chapters in the book. And someone in the Q&A started saying, um, do you know why the woman fired you who fired you? And I was catching, I try to always, when I'm in live events like this, I try to keep an eye on the Q&A, but you're not going to be able to see all of it. They move very yeah. fast. So you can't see you know, all the comments. But I kept seeing that this one person kept putting very strange comments. And so finally, and I wasn't able to keep up with it because it was the minute a new comment would come in, it, it would be moved. Yeah. So finally I said, um, all right, let Michelle, the host, I said, Michelle, let's stop and see what so-and-so Barbara, Barbara's got a lot of questions she's putting in the chat, but why don't we bring Barbara on to ask? And she would not come <laughs> on, you know, she didn't want to come on. And so one of the things I've learned is it to show up and be themselves. You can't get, you can't let that phase you right? yeah. because if somebody's willing to show up and, and be themselves and, you know, show themselves on camera and acknowledge their name and whatnot, at least there's something of a truth to, to that. And, and I can have a conversation with someone like that. But when someone's hiding, you know, behind a computer screen and wants to attack you, it almost is comical. And, and so this person was saying, you know, uh, the woman that fired you thinks you're immature. And the woman that fired you said you were bad for the company. And, and really opinion type statements that had no factual basis to mm-hmm. them. And so, and again, she wouldn't come on camera. She wouldn't come on audio. She would only leave notes in the chat and come to find out the host was very upset about this. She went to find that person's email. It was a fake email. It, did, it wasn't even a real email. So we know that that person was definitely a hater. That person was definitely showing up, trying to give me a hard time, but it didn't phase me because I'm a big believer in stick to the facts, right? And someone can have an opinion that, you know, someone believes I'm immature or that this person doesn't like me. That's an opinion. And I I have no control over that. And you're entitled to your opinions. Everyone's entitled to their opinions. But what I do know is the facts, right? So to that woman, and this is what I ended up saying is, I said, these are opinions and, and you are more than allowed your opinion. I have no idea if that woman that fired me shares your opinion or even you may be the woman that fired me and I don't know because I can't see you. I said, but to that point, I can look at the facts. So to me, I want to look at, you know, let's look at the share price of the stock the day that I was fired versus where it's trading today. 
those are facts that you can look at. So I like to stick to the facts, you know, and, and not get into the opinion discussion with people. You're, you're serve yourself in a much better way. And you'll definitely, you'll come out and walk away the winner out of any type of um, hater engagement like that. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, one, one thing I loved uh, in your book, both the books and uh, in, you know, working with you is that uh, you have so many good uh, frameworks and you have these things that anchor you, you know, down, like when you have success, uh, you anchor that and you anchor the win in, but also uh, like before hitting the stage, you do certain routines or before every critical important meeting, you do certain things. There are anchoring th- uh, tools that you have developed and you have given a lot of them in your book, but would you share one or two with the audience to uh, A, they know the importance of anchoring those things in and some of the practical tools that they could use? Yeah, so I was a psychology major in college, and one of the things I learned was a study called Pavlov's Dog, and that's really the study of scientists working with a dog where they would ring a bell, uh, they would then bring food out for the dog, and the dog would begin to eat, and they did this repetition day in and day out, multiple times a day, and what ended up happening was the dog would then hear the ring of the bell and begin salivating because he knew food was coming next because of constant repetition. So that's basically what you're describing right now. And we'll use the analogy of when I'm giving a big keynote, I have a certain cadence of tasks that I go through only on days that I'm speaking. So it's just like the dog. If I go through that, that cadence of tasks, I know I'm about to go give a fantastic speech because I only do those things in that order and you know with that intention on the days i'm going to give a speech and then we all have that power to train ourselves to train our brain and to really um leverage that opportunity to put it to work for us so that we can start coming out on top when we're going into a challenging discussion or a big presentation yeah yeah um and they are so helpful like so many times we anchor in the uh things that went wrong like when something goes wrong, we remind ourselves, oh, I don't want to do this again and again. But if you forget to anchor in the wins that happen along the way, small or big, like when you start celebrating those wins and keep anchoring them in, they just help you overcome the villain in the room, which could be just your own uh, self-doubt before you walk into the room. Um, I have one last question because I know you need to go. But before I ask you the question, I want to thank you for the, your time. I know uh, this is a, a incredible, critical time for you because you're in the middle of the book launch. You have so many um, talks that are going on. And I I want to let you know that I don't take this opportunity lightly. I am sincerely grateful that you showed up and you shared your experience. And I want people listening who want to overcome their villains, A, find out who your villains are, overcome those villains, and also build confidence so that you can have a better life. I want you to go uh, subscribe to Heather Monahan, buy her book, uh, and I can tell you it will change your life because I've read both the books uh, back to back. And I mean, uh, when I, in one sitting, that's what I mean by the back to back, not at the same time, but, um, I know it is an incredible value. So thank you, Heather, uh, for this, um, you know, privilege of uh, having you uh, being asked, being able to ask questions, even though we're fairly new to each other, you still accepted um, my request. And that shows the kind of person you are, that you always want to help somebody who's, you know, trying to step, step up or try something new. So thank you. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, the last question. Um, when uh, I forgot my last question. <laughs> okay. Um, let me look at my note. What was my last question? Uh, okay. Let, since I forgot, is there... What would you say somebody... Uh, what would you say to somebody who... 
who wants to start a career in speaking haven't had much experience uh, where they have. I mean, they may have spoken in their uh, company a few times, but not major ex- exposure. But they they really have this desire to be, uh, you know, on the stages, speak up. What do you tell them uh, to do? Some practical actions that they can do to find a if it's that for them and then how to go about developing a speaking career yes start speaking that's the most important thing so whether it be at your children's school for a charity you know at a sporting event where people are volunteering volunteer for a tedx and get on the team so you can start learning about what goes into speaking right you need to immerse yourself in it. A big part of confidence comes from competence and that's through doing, right? So you want to just start speaking. If you have, you're on the PTA, ask if one night you can get up and speak and address the, the team. Just start putting yourself in a position where you're speaking and very quickly you'll be able to see, okay, I'm getting great feedback on this or I'm not getting feedback. This isn't landing or this isn't resonating, but you're only going to find that out by doing it. And a lot of people think that you cannot have prior experience and show up as a speaker. I, I just have never seen that happen for someone. You have to go through these paces of actually doing it and then getting footage of yourself doing it and then getting reviews and testimonials to your work and feedback on your work, right? Then positioning yourself as a speaker. Like these are all steps along the way that they take They take time. You know, I spoke for over 20 years publicly on stages in front of tens of thousands of people And I was never paid a dollar for any of those speeches, right? And then it took me intentionally launching the speaking business in 2018. And that, you know, that's when I launched it. It wasn't until 2021 that I got the recognition, you know, of top 50 keynote speakers. So these things take time. They definitely don't happen overnight. Yeah. Uh, And, and, uh, you know, I can... uh, uh... I, I can vouch for all those things that it takes time, especially being in that journey now. And so uh, the key takeaway in that one for me was being intentional about what you're doing and, you know, overcoming your will. And so uh, thank you again, uh, everyone go subscribe, Heather. You will thank me later for, you know, doing, listening to this odd, um, episode and then subscribing her and you know all right i hope you enjoyed the show as much as i did and got some valuable nuggets out of it if you liked it there are other shows you can watch they're exactly what you need and i ask you to like comment subscribe let me know what you thought of the show uh, really i want to hear from you firsthand what you felt what you like what you didn't like so thank you and see you around